Intel dropped a ton of new CPUs this week from a 5 gigahertz Core i9 mobile beast to the latest in Celerons for a mere $42. Are you traveling soon? Let's talk hotspots for international data. And does a gamer need a $250 sound card? And if he does, what kind of speakers should he run with it? All that and more coming up on Tech Thing. Thank you, patrons. Without your support via patreon.com slash tech thing, we wouldn't be able to make the show for you each and every week. Join the crew that makes Tech Thing possible at patreon.com slash tech thing, and we thank each and every one of our patrons. You make it possible. I'm Shannon Morse. I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we have something useful in every single show. Oh my goodness. I had sugar again before this episode. A big jug of bubble tea bigger than her head. Ooh, yeah, you wanna see it? Here, I'm walking off the stage. There we go. Yoki. Yoki tea. I could probably get a larger one if I asked for one, but oh my gosh. Just get a bottle of Caro syrup and a straw. So yes, sweet, fifty percent. I'm. I don't think it's actually fifty percent sugar, like in here. It's like seventy percent sugar. Yeah, it's really sugary. Uh, but we're not here to chat about sugar, oh are we? So, well, let's talk about. Let's have some fun with improving your gaming environment. Logan's looking to upgrade the audio on his desktop. He tweeted out at Tech Thing if I was wanting to get away from an old Logitech 2.1 speaker setup and go to the new at Team EVGA new audio. What pairs of speakers would you use with it? Researching Ooh. everything is getting overwhelming, but I know I want better audio for gaming and editing. He oh used the whole 240 characters on that one. <laughs> is it 240? I think so. 173? <laughs> um, one, I, okay, this, I've been waiting for this question my entire life. Um, no, I haven't. But I've been, I love this question um, because anytime people want to make audio better, I get excited. So if you haven't heard about this, EVGA came out with the, well, this glorious creature. Ooh. Lovely review over here at PC Per. This, for the younger people in the audience, is a sound card. It's a discrete card that plugs onto your motherboard to give audio capabilities to your PC. So old school. So old school. Well, this one actually is is uh, pretty ninja. Uh, $249, $199 for EVGA Elite members. Uh, engineered by AudioNote, who is a British audio company you've probably never heard of. Lots of audiophile buzzwords here, like native DSD and 384 kilohertz 32-bit audio support, which you don't have files that will play on it. Um, <laughs> It also packs AKM DACs and analog digital converters. So that's cool. DACs turns the digital signal into the audio you hear, and the ADCs turn analog audio that you speak into a microphone into digital files, well, digital signals that get encoded on your hard drive. It is a really nice piece of engineering. Um, $249 is a lot of money, but as Sebastian Peake over at PC Per put it, um, when he gave it the gold PC perspective reward, Yay. audiophile component that specs the way this thing does would cost you a lot more money. Mm. Um, or maybe not, but that's, <laughs> we remain to be see some new products that may be coming out in the near horizon. In any case, it's a really cool audio card. It's an amazing audio card. It's an awesome audio card, but here's the thing. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an audio card. <laughs> um, it'll output to your power amp for your speakers, it'll output to your headphones. If all you have is headphones, this may be absolutely amazing for you. But I want to say a few things. One, it's kind of overkill for gaming. Yeah. Frankly, if you're looking to upgrade your audio experience from the ground up, I would be throwing as much money as possible at speakers yes. and a sub. Yes. Um, you know, 90, 100%. You know, 90% of audio is the transducers that can convert the signal into the stuff you hear, either the headphones or the speakers. The other 90% is your source material, which you have no control over 
in the entire gaming universe. Uh, <laughs> although I will say a lot of gaming soundtracks are amazingly produced, up to mm. full on and better than Hollywood standards in a lot of ways. Gorgeous, um, yes. And also, I want you to have options. I mean, look, I love the AKM DAC on my desktop. JDS Labs for the win, um, but the DAC is maybe the third thing I'd be thinking about. Speakers, maybe a subwoofer, uh, and then, you know, if you're seriously listening to stereo audio, really, really good source material. Rather than spending $300 or $250 on a DAC, get yourself a Spotify premium account, get yourself a Tidal Lossless account, get yourself a Cobus account. That's if you're on the music side of things. One problem, here's the thing. You're gonna get this amazing EVGA card, it does this phenomenal job outputting sound, and you've got a $400 budget for your speakers, but you still need an amp to power those speakers. That EVGA card, it's a DAC, it's a preamp, but it won't power your speakers. Maybe if you put your ear really close, but generally speaking, you need an amp. So, first thought, I love Elax Unify UB5 bookshelf speaker. I love it as a desktop monitor. I love it in the living room. I love it in the garage. I've used it in all three places. Bought it out of my own pocket for a lot less than what it's selling for now, like $398.88. This is a great speaker. Uh, you'll spend three or four times that to get something better. I like putting them on stands on the desktop, a few inches above the desktop, elevating the tweeters. I think it makes things better, moves the first order reflection farther back. They're really nice. Now, that ELAC needs a healthy amp to push it. The biggest bargain in amps right now are older Denon, Marantz, Onkyo, Yamaha, 5.1 AVRs off of Craigslist. 50 or 100 bucks, they'll power those ELACs until you get something better, or frankly, they'll power those ELACs forever. They just won't fit on your desk, but they will have a subwoofer output. Now, if you want something a little more desktop friendly, I gotta say, I really like Emotiva's Basex A100. Fairly small, very burly for a $200 amp, very well built, class AB uh, amplifier, 50 watts per channel, which is gonna be fine with those Elax at close range. If you're trying to fill a stadium, not so good, you know, but an arm's length from you, you are gonna be able to blow your hair back. Don't turn it up all the way. Um, that uh, Basex, that A100, it has a headphone jack. I just wish it had a subwoofer for a low frequency output but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, there are smaller and cheaper amps, but I want some personal time with them before I recommend one. A lot of the inexpensive Class D amps have some really high failure rates, some noise issues, and all sorts of other stuff. Conversation for next week, powered speakers. A lot of people, these are just becoming really popular in the audiophile community. Uh, they've been a standard, a staple in video editing and audio editing for pretty much ever at this point. This is where the speaker has the amp built in or even an amp and a DAC built in. I'm going to be talking about KEF's LSX wireless music system, which is phenomenal and should be for the money it costs. The SVS Prime wireless speaker system and Edifier's S1000DB Hi-Fi 2.0 active bookshelf speakers, which is a mouthful, but the most affordable of the three. All those coming up next week. Got a question about audio, got a question about gaming, got a question about home theaters. Email us, ask at techthing.com. Scott wants to know about mobile hotspots. He emailed, hi, Patrick and Shannon. I have a question for you about mobile hotspots. Occasionally, I travel abroad, and it would be super useful to have one in areas where Wi-Fi isn't always available, but cellular service is. I'd mainly use it for Google Maps access to keep from getting lost. What types of options are there for mobile hotspots that I can swap the SIM card in when I get to my destination? Thanks. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Scott, who is on the central coast of California. P.S. I've traveled to Japan the past couple of years, and the last year renting a mobile hotspot was a blessing, but I'm not comfortable with trusting their equipment. I thought about SIM swapping, but I'm a little concerned about accidentally losing my SIM in a foreign country, preventing me from getting a ride back after a long international flight, hence the hotspot idea. I'm not interested in changing my plan because it's not financially worth it for one international trip a year, if that. Okay. 
Thank you so much, Scott. So sometimes uh, your current provider, since you don't necessarily want to trade plans, will offer some kind of international rate. And for one trip a year, it might be worth it to just buy that just for that one month that you're traveling internationally. However, it can get expensive. Yeah. Um, I know from experience that my husband has purchased the international plan for Verizon, and it was way more expensive than me just using my normal plan on Google Fi. And I know you didn't want to switch, but hear me out because I do think it might save money, especially if they're doing a deal. So Google Fi offers plans starting at 20 bucks for calls and texts, and then you pay about a dollar per 100 megs used. So it would be 10 bucks for a gig. So for example, if you only use 500 megs for the month, then you're only paying five bucks for that month. If you use five gigs, then you would pay 50 bucks for that month. So this past holiday season too, uh, Google Fi had a really nice deal where if you sign up, you get $100 off your bill. So that's after 30 days of activation, but people signed up and people got $100 off their bill. So it was a really, really good deal. Uh, Fi, Fi also does not charge extra for international data and it works all over the place. Um, I know because that's how I roll with, like when I travel to Japan and I tried it in New Zealand. I also hate changing plans as much as the next person because I know it can be a pain in the bum, but hey, it might be worth it. My bill for January was a whopping $80 and that's with two weeks of being in New Zealand. So that gives you kind of an idea of, I was able to use it quite a bit. Is there like <laughs> a list or a map that shows all the places your Google Fi yes. will work? It's about 130 different countries that it most will work in. So yeah, <laughs> most of them. So it's a pretty broad list. So I do want to check out some alternatives though. So let's talk about hotspots. After doing a whole bunch of research on the internets, I found a couple that you may like. So the first one that I wanted to mention is called Skyroam and you can find that over at the website. It's skyroam.com, uh, which I saw all over my Instagram ads lately, but that's not why I chose them. Uh, this one is the place where you can grab it. They have a whole bunch of different kind of options and if I go over to the Solus, you can see what it actually looks like. This company has drop-off locations and retail stores all over the place. However, you can get this device shipped to you as well. And the Solus device can double as a power bank, not just a hotspot with 6,000 milliamp per hour juice and USB-C. So it is upgraded to USB-C, which is very nice. It can connect up to five devices. No SIM is required, it's all built in, and you can charge and connect at the same time. Uh, it's also got 16 plus hours of connection life, at least that's what they claim, and you can charge it while you're using it as a battery too. Now you can buy a Solus for $149, so $150, bucks, plus $9 per day for unlimited data. Alternatively, you could also just rent one mm -hmm. for $9.95 per day. So if you only use it for like a few weeks out of the entire year, that it might be a better deal for you to do that. There's also a monthly plan, which is $99 a month, but that's only available to buyers, not renters. Uh, now, I will mention though, if you do buy a Solus, you can also pay as you go with the new Go plan, which is nine bucks a month. Mm -hmm. So that might off even be a really good option for you, uh, which includes one gig of data. So it's $9 per gig after that. So you would end up paying maybe 20 bucks if you've used two gigs of data. The bummer is if you use over 500 megs in one day and they re-switch it every single day, then they switch you from 4G down to 2G or 3G. So basically the $9 unlimited is bull fluff. Yeah. Which I want to thank the person who texted me. You tweeted me about bull fluff being out of their vocabulary. Yeah, so you're basically paying like 
$9 per day for 500 megs of data, it's not actually one gig unless you're dealing with those that three This explains TNG. some of the reviews I've seen of the Solos, which are somewhat yeah. less than glowing. Now, there's another one out there, and this one has raving reviews by a whole bunch of like travel blogs and stuff like that, but who knows, maybe they have referral links and that's why. Uh, if you check this one out, it's called TEP, and they have a little product which is called the Teppy. And uh, it looks like this little blue device, also fairly cute. It lasts for six hours, so way different than the Solus, a lot less hours that you can use it on a charge. And you can connect up to five devices. This one cannot also be used as a battery, so keep that in mind, it's only a hotspot. But one neat feature about this that I thought was really cool is this thing called KiteString, which uses SMS automated messages, which you have to reply to however often you want to do that. If you don't reply, an emergency text is sent to your Main emergency contact. So I think that would be really cool. Like if you're hiking or something, and if you like end up hurting yourself, and this will automatically send a text if you don't answer that text in due time. I'm laughing because part of me thinks this is really cool, and part of me sees this being stolen along with my <laughs> bag, and then like my emergency contact calling out the Marines. Oh right. Um, <laughs> well, I'm furiously trying to find a way to call home. And be like, it's okay. <laughs> they just took my stuff. No. <laughs> There's also the this thing called the TEP Plus app that enables you to connect to locals to find out about local recommendations. There's a built-in VoIP service and SMS service with the application too. And they also offer in-flight Wi-Fi with Lufthansa, Etihad, I think that's how you say it, American and Aer Lingus. So they have a whole bunch of little extra features that you might like, you might think they're a little kitschy, but hey, you know, they're there they're if trying. you want them. Yeah, they're trying. <laughs> uh, the Tepi costs $8.95 per day for the oh. device and unlimited access. You can also buy one that's $129 and pay $8 a day for the service. Uh, there is a 4G upgrade for $1.95 per day, and that adds 500 megabytes to the daily 4G allowance. And I'll get to the allowance in a second because you won't be too surprised. Alternatively, there is a monthly plan which is unlimited for $99 a month too. So, so TEP Wireless also throttles the 4G, so it's kind of capped. With the 4G upgrade, you get one gig per day. Without it, you get a mere 500 megs. And then after that, it also slows to 2G or 3G speeds. So I feel like the biggest drawback with these hotspot devices is that they throttle their unlimited speeds after you hit your 4G allotment for a day, and then it cycles to a new allotment the next day. And so far, I haven't found one that is either truly unlimited, where you get 4G all the time, or offers something that's over, you know, a couple of gigs per day. And if you are like doing a lot of, you know, uploading photos while you're traveling, or if you're even using maps sometimes, that can, yeah. if you're, especially if you're using like satellite view, that the can take up a lot of gigs. Facebook can use can be alarming. And in the background too, so you yeah. would have to think about those kind of things when you're traveling. Um, Google Fi even has a cap, but that's per month and it's 15 gigs. And then after that, you can opt into 4G speeds after that for $10 per gig. So if you use 15 gigs plus one more gig, you would only pay $10 extra after that 15 gigs. So it, that's why I like Google Fi. That's so why I haven't like bought a hotspot. Or a Google Fi account or a prepaid account. Like, yeah. it sounds like buying a cheap used Android or iPhone yeah. and then, you know, using a hotspot inside of that might be more smarter, better. Yeah. Because the other thing is, hotspots also can be incredibly erratic in how they perform. Mm -hmm. 
um, he says with gritted teeth, something <laughs> that happened last year. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Since I do travel quite often, I do want to get these into review and test them out, like, out there in other countries. Because I go, I travel overseas all the time, especially nowadays. So I would love to see if these hotspots work better than, you know, traditionally. Because traditionally, hotspots are kind of meh. <laughs> it all depends on the hotspot and your carrier. Yes. Um, and sometimes they suck until the firmware gets sorted out. That's true. Pound, thinking yeah. about something that recently came out from Verizon. There are several alternatives out there too, not just the Solus and the Tepi. So if anybody in our audience has used a hotspot that you love, let me know. Ask at techthing.com or you can tweet me. I'm at snubs because I want to know all the things about all the hotspots as a world traveler myself. <laughs> <laughs> Battle stations, people. This one comes from Ant. Hey there, squad. I'm in a squad. Hope y'all are doing well. So here's my workspace. Yes, it is a mess, but so is Einstein's desk. On the left, two risers with a port replicator and ThinkPad attached is when I'm not creating content. I'm supporting old school .4GL apps via Informix and SQL. On the right, two monitors for creating content, as well as a Wacom Intuos tablet and a Wacom Cintiq pen display. Two Edifier SB880 dB speakers. I'm currently reviewing softbox light up above, webcam Logitech C920. My rig to the right is a custom Ryzen 1800X CyberPower PC build sitting on top of my old rig, so it's not on the carpet. Not pictured to the right is my four input mixer for podcasting and my cheap printer scanner. A couple of external drives and more photography and video gear, perfectly messy and functional. Thanks for checking out my office Nook Studio. Here's to continued success for you too. Thanks for being awesome, especially to me, and great for the creative community. RAP2, Ant's got a new podcast, Rap2. You should, uh, well, you know what? Link in the show notes or head over to antpruitt.com. A-N-T-P-R-U-I-T-T.com. He's a lovely human being. Yes, thank you, Ant. Hey, we love your tips, your questions, and your suggestions of products and ideas to check out. So you can tweet us at TechThing, at Snubs, or at Patrick Norton, or just email us, ask at TechThing.com. And a huge shout out to the patrons over at Patreon.com slash TEKThing. You pay the bills, you make the show possible each and every week. So thank you so much to each and every one of you. If you want to join our awesome Patreon community, check it out. The link is down below in the show notes, and it's Patreon.com slash Tech thing. Thank you. Big day for Intel Tuesday this week. The 9th gen core mobile CPUs were launched. We're talking 45 watt TDP 8 series mobile processors for high-end laptops, creators, gamers, people that need all the mobile power they can get. Not a lot has changed architecturally from the 9th gen CPUs uh, for the desktop that were released last fall. These new mobile parts, they had Optane H10, Wi-Fi 6, AX200 gig plus support. Not that anybody can use it, or at least not me, uh, but still my beating heart. And Bill, this just Still the beating hearts of all the power users out there. We're talking about up to 128 gigabytes of DDR4 memory for a mobile part. It makes me excited. Oh my goodness. The i9-9980HK, which just rolls off the tongue. That's an eight core, 16 thread part running it up to five gigahertz. I'm just gonna call it a beast. And it's getting the most noticed today. Uh, HK means fully unclocked for muscle books. Muscle books. Uh, base frequency on that is 2.4 gigahertz. The i9-9980H, that's locked for TNL transform and lighting and creator laptops. It's a 4.8 gigahertz turbo, 2.3 gigahertz base, again with eight cores, 16 threads. The new 45 watt core i7 parts get six cores and 12 threads. i5s get four cores and eight threads, uh, and those all max out in turbo or boost clock mode between 4.1 and 4.6 gigahertz. 
I am going to be super curious to see how these parts behave in various laptops. Stuffing eight cores into a 45 watt TDP is going to be interesting and fun to keep cool. Now, somewhat in the shadow of the 9th gen laptop CPU announcements came another 25 SKUs for the desktop lineup from new $488 3.6 gigahertz 8 core 16 thread Core i9 CPUs with and without integrated graphics and a host of i7, i5, and i3 parts right down to the $42 2 core 2 thread Celeron and 2 core 4 thread Pentium Gold CPUs. Those Pentium Gold CPUs, uh, they run from 64 to 86 bucks. Uh, lots of CPU names, lots of new suffixes, at least uh, to some people I was talking to earlier today. K, remember, is overclockable. KF is overclockable without integrated graphics. Yeah, F generally means no integrated graphics. And uh, there's T for low power. That's a 35-watt TDP. Um, one thing all these laptops, or all these processors, I should say, because we're talking desktop processors, one thing they all have in common uh, as the crew over at PC Per noted, is support for Intel's Optane memory. Big, big, big Optane memory push at Intel. Uh, Optane memory H10, by the way, it's going to offer 16 gigabyte and 32 gigabyte options with up to one terabyte of QLC NAND storage to hopefully give you fast, fast, fast access. Although I noticed they tend to be comparing the numbers for that to two or three or umpteen thousand year old storage devices, which is so typical for Intel marketing. Uh, you can expect laptops with 9th gen Intel Core mobile CPUs and of course uh, NVIDIA GTX graphics from all the major players. Asus, Acer, Lenovo, MSI all announced 9th gen Core power laptops today. Uh, you can be assured that Dell, HP, Razer and just about everybody else will be upgrading their lineups with 9th gen CPUs as fast as they can. Got a laptop question? Email ask at techthing.com or tweet at Patrick Norton. A big thank you to Hack5 for the studio space. Check out the Security and Privacy Podcast at hack5.org. I can especially recommend Hack5 Threatwire and the Metasploit Minute. And then head over to hack5.org slash gear and get yourself a plunder bug. Ladies and gentlemen, this pocket-sized Landsat lets you bug Ethernet connections with a USB-C convenience. I love USB-C and I love convenience. With cross-platform scripts and an Android root app, this smart network stiffer enables passive recording or active scanning. This is serious, serious packet huffing, people. If you haven't been up there, go over to hack5.org, take a look at the pen testing tools and the USB automation tools, and thank you for the use of the studio, Hack5. Thank you, Hack5. And remember, once in a while, put down your phone, step away from your screen, close your laptop, and do something analog. Like, we got another one from our, from our viewers out there, from Mark. Mark says, do something analog. Attached are photos of the shop my daughter, son-in-law, and I built several years ago. Since then, I have been finishing the inside with an epoxy chip floor, diamond plate aluminum trim, mm -hmm. a finished flag checkered wainscoting, and Ferrari red and yellow walls. Nice. It was a lot of work, but also great fun to work with my kids on. This past week, I built a workbench. It's become the permanent mounting place for the audio power amp I bought based on a recommendation by Patrick some years back on another podcast. I have documented the whole project with its own web page over at his website from Mark. Thank you, Mark. And a link to that web page. Yes, so cool. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm Bradley Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Day.
environment for me is PC or console gaming with a 100 inch or larger projection screen and Because really, once you've gamed with like all of the speakers and a giant screen the size of a house. That sounds legit. Even your 34, 37, 40 year old 52 inch monitor just seems so. <laughs> really? Really. Is that how you really feel? <laughs> I want to build a workbench so I can work on the bench. <laughs> That's what you do with workbench, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Not I really. I want like I want to I want a work area so that I can you work have on a work it. Area. You filled it with Sailor Moon accoutrement. <laughs> I did. That's true. The <laughs> second bedroom. It was supposed to be a guest room. That didn't happen. Well, people could technically sleep on the floor between the podcasting there's and video a, editing there's station a pull out and the sofa. collection of Sailor Moon gear. It's a pull-out sofa bed. If they sign the waiver that promises that they will not touch any of the Sailor Moon. Oh, that's a good idea.